Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today we're going to try something different. We're going to try an on-location podcast. So uh, I'm, I'm basically filming this and uh, because I want to show people a, a, an area where a guy uh, saw a, gi a giant flying saucer zoom out of, out of a water-filled coal mining stripping pit back in the late 1960s. And we're going to... There was an article that I wrote about this back in the late 1990s. And I'm going to talk about that. And I want to go to the spot. Now, I've brought this subject up before. I have talked about this incident on my podcast before. But this time, I'm going to, you know, I want to actually show people what it looks like. But, again, if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, I mean, it's going. I'll be talking, you know, throughout the whole thing. So it could serve just as a regular old uh, podcast. But also, there will be a video version of this uploaded to Spotify as well. And also, there will be a video version on YouTube. And it should be really interesting. This is a, uh, an interest. I always thought this was an interesting story, and it involves a transmedium UAP, uh, an object that is obviously capable of operating underwater as well as in the air. And this was it was witnessed by somebody flying out of the water up close, at a at a very close range, and then straight up into the air, and in like a and it zoomed off like a bullet. Anyway, I guess we'll get started. We're going to get on our way here and drive to the spot where this happened back in... It was either 1968 or 1969, March of 1968 or 1969. So it should be really interesting. Okay, just to be clear about what these stripping pit holes are. Now, uh, in, in days of old, they would... Uh, coal mining operations would dig giant pits for coal and then basically abandon them and then over time they would get filled with water and here in uh, the, this location we're heading to now there's there's three different stripping pits and they were dubbed uh, the B hole, the A hole and the C hole and uh, and basically the, the incident that I'm talking about of course happened at the location of the B hole right now we're making a trek to the location of the b-hole which I believe is up up this way on the longest path here we are at the mysterious a-hole stripping pit which is right next right beside the b-hole now I don't have any reports of any saucers flying out of this water but hey hey you never know you never know there's the a-hole right there you turn around, point east, and there's the B-hole through the trees. Now there's a C-hole, but that's on the other side of the A-hole. But we're not going there today. We're concentrating on this, the B-hole. This is the site of the B-hole. That's what this is called. It's known as the B-hole. Uh, it's a it's a water it used to be a stripping pit where they mined coal out of back in the in the in the days of old and of course now as you see it's been filled with water it's been filled for what with water for decades and decades now there's a b hole there's an a hole over there and beyond that there's a c hole but anyway back in the late 1960s there was a guy named leonard ulosis who was a maintenance worker for a company called gerard estates which owned this property at the time and he would come over here to make sure there was nobody dumping garbage illegally. And he was with his buddy and his dog. He had a dog named, uh, uh, it was an Airedale named Bum Bumsy. 
And it's very windy out here today, but so I'll get closer to the camera to make sure that this audio is captured. But uh, he was walking through this area, and uh, it was after a heavy snow in March of either 1968 or 1969, and he saw a flying saucer rise rise out of this. But before that happened, he he, he know the whole thing was covered with ice. This whole body of water was covered with ice. And he noticed when he walked down here, his dog didn't want to walk any further. He didn't want to get close to this area. The dog was scared. And usually that dog was scared of nothing, according to Yulosis. But when he got down here, he noticed there was a, a, a big hole cut in the ice. It was either 60 or 70 feet in diameter, he said. And he was wondering, what the heck's going on here? He couldn't understand it. And uh, next thing he knows, uh, he, uh, the saucer giant saucer just came out of the hole and went straight up in the sky and disappeared and he has, his buddy was walking over here with him at the time and he was about 500 feet away and he saw it too and they both decided at the time that they would never talk about it publicly because they, they figured everybody would think they were crazy I mean you got to think about the time when this happened this was in uh, you know in 1966 if you remember there was the UFO sightings in uh, Michigan the famous uh, where, where the government came along and said it was only uh, swamp gas that people were seeing and, and a lot of people got mad about that because that's not what they saw uh, there was a guy in Dexter, Michigan him and his son saw a flying saucer flying near, uh, uh, hovering near his house over this marsh and uh, his name was Frank Manners and he you know, he reported this to the Project Blue Book, and also the very next night there was uh, some undergraduate women at a nearby college, Hillsdale uh, College, and they all saw through a window, they're all looking out a window and they saw a flying saucer. So, so this became a big, big sighting. It was very, there was a lot of witnesses to this flying saucer at the time. So they sent in Project Blue Book, and uh, particularly the, sci the scientific consultant, J. Allen Hynek, he showed up and he came up with the excuse that it was swamp gas. And a lot of people got really mad about this. So, of course, the Air Force then conducted an investigation and uh, decided to conduct an investigation. And that be that became known as the, uh, the Condon Committee out of the University of Colorado. Uh, the University of Colorado accepted funds from the Air Force to study UFOs. And then by 1968, they came out with a report that basically debunked it, even though a lot of people, a lot of the scientists that were part of that uh, investigation thought that there, there was more than enough uh, data that deserved to be investigated. But the guy who, who was in charge of it, Edward Condon, an astronomer with the University of Colorado, stated that uh, he didn't think there was anything there to look at with UFOs. Basically, this whole thing was just an excuse for the Air Force to get out of Project Blue Book. They, Project Blue Book was something that existed since 1952, and they, they were sick of investigating civilian reports about UFOs, and they wanted to get out of the, get out of that, so that was an excuse. And Condon played along with them, and that's what happened. And then by 1969, after the report came out in 68, the Air Force closed Project Blue Book and stopped investigating UFOs, at least publicly. So, but at the, the thing, if you remember at the time in 1966, now of course I wasn't alive yet, but I've, I've read the reports, I've seen, I've seen old news reels and uh, news reports that were on CBS News. This, this Frank Manners who reported the Project Blue Book, the, the guy who was told what he really saw was only swamp gas, a lot of people who would show up at his house, throw beer bottles at his car, to, he was basically ridiculed. So you have to understand the mindset of somebody in the late 1960s like Leonard Ulozis who would see a flying saucer coming out of a out of a out of a body of water like this a frozen body of water no less and then take off now if he would have just told somebody about that he would have been ridiculed too 
But at the, in 1997, when I, when I was talking to this guy, when he revealed that story to me, he said that he didn't care anymore. Like, well, at first he was reluctant. Well, this is how the story went down. Actually, right here, we're, we're just east, where, I'm at, where this location is, it's just east of a little town called Gerardville, Pennsylvania, where this B-hole is. And in, um, in 1997, during the 50th anniversary of Roswell, I was working at a newspaper called the Pottsville Republican. And I was putting an article together about the Roswell crash, as well as there was a, a U, the very first UFO sighting in this county, Schuylkill County. So I was putting an article together about that, and I happened to be in a bar room it's one afternoon, you know, as a young man hanging out in a bar room, playing darts, drinking beer. And uh, I used to talk to this guy, Lenny. And, and, and I was working on, I was in the middle of working on that story at the time. And, uh, and something came on TV and it was the Air Force talking about the Roswell dummies, right? And I was sitting there at the bar like, oh God, right? Because the Air Force was trying to say what the alien bodies that people really saw in Roswell in 1947 were, were anthropomorphic dummies that were dropped from high altitudes from 1953 to 1959. It was just absolutely absurd. But yet, you know, I'm watching TV and the press is just playing along with it because they never investigate the mainstream media. But I mentioned something to Lenny, who I knew this guy. I talked to him every time. You, He's one of those old guys in the bar. You talk to him you know, about anything. And I mentioned to him, I said, yeah, Lenny. I said, I'm actually working on a story about UFOs right now. And he's like, oh, I could tell you a story about that, Jim. So then he told me the story about his B-hole experience. And at first, I told him, I said, Lenny, you gotta let me put this in the paper. This story is fantastic. This is dynamite. And he, he was very, he didn't want to do it. He was not interested in doing it at the time. Uh, but then I talked to him a little while. And he's like, yeah, all right. Now, Lenny, another thing, just to keep clear here, Lenny, Lenny wasn't a drinker. He was in, he was just, a, he was drinking soda pop when he went to bars. He just went there for the camaraderie. Uh, he wasn't like, he was a really nice guy. He's now passed away. At the time, he was 67 and he had a hard time getting around and everything, but he was a really nice guy. So I ended up writing the story about this and I'm going to pull that. I actually have a copy of this article and I'm going to read through it right here. I'll tell you what, this is what the story is uh, that I wrote at the time. This was the headline. After three decades of silence, Gerardville's story emerges. For almost 30 years, Leonard A. Ulozis has kept a secret, but the hoopla surrounding the 50th anniversary of the Roswell incident, the alleged crash of a UFO and discovery of alien bodies in New Mexico, caused him to finally blurt it out. Ulozis, now 67, and a friend who still will not speak publicly about it, saw what they believed to have been a UFO. The site was the water-filled stripping pit known as the B-Hole in the eastern end of the borough. The time was in March of 1968 or 1969. It was early one Saturday morning, right after a heavy snowstorm, as Ulozis, a Gerard Estates maintenance worker, was checking the B-Hole for illegal dumping. His Airedale, Bumsy, usually afraid of nothing, traipsed through the deep snow with him. But when they reached the b-hole the dog refused to go any further i'm just stopping standing here, just going to stop at the article for a second i'm standing right here in an area with the, this area where the dog maybe stopped i mean I, I don't really know it could be maybe the dog didn't there's a little dirt road leading down to this to this little area and maybe he was on his way and the dog didn't want to go any further so he might have been standing right where i am right now because this is uh there's, there's really not any other paths around here so this is probably the road where this is probably the road where he was where he saw it where, where it happened Anyway, continuing with the article, he says, Yoloza said, I knew something was wrong, something was out of place. When I finally looked down into the b-hole, I saw there was a perfectly cut circle in the ice, about 60 or 70 feet in diameter. 
At first, you just thought some youths must have cut the hole, but then quickly discarded that motion, uh, that notion because they'd have to be crazy to walk on that. He actually, he actually, Yulosis actually said he actually thought that it might be a UFO at that moment. At that, he actually said it had to be a UFO submerged in the stripping pit, he concluded. He looked for footprints in the snow and found nothing. Getting windy here, folks. So I'm going to pause here until this wind passes by here. I don't know how that's going to pick up the audio. I'll get a little closer to the video device. He looked for footprints in the snow, but found nothing. Then he heard a noise. When he looked into the pit, the object was already in the air, up in the sky, and then gone in a flash. Ulozis's friend, who was about 500 feet away from him, claimed to see the disc shoot out of the hole and disappear like a bullet straight up. When Ulozis met up with his friend, they, dis- they decided to keep what they had seen to themselves. Everyone would think they were crazy, they surmised. What Ulozis saw must have been from another world, he said, and he is only breaking his silence now because he's gotten to a point in life where he doesn't care if anyone believes him or not. People can take it or leave it, he said. That's the story of the B-hole UFO, which I always found very fascinating. Again, you know, you think about what we're talking about today, like you have the government now recently changed the, uh, the UAP meaning to unidentified anomalous objects, from unidentified aerial objects, now it's unidentified anomalous objects, and that is to include not just uh, flying objects, unidentified flying objects, but also unidentified submersible objects and unidentified transmedium objects. Uh, Transmedium objects meaning that they could operate objects that are obviously strange objects that operate underwater and in the sky. And that's obviously what Uloza saw that day back in 68 or 69 was a transmedium object. And this is where it came from. It was hiding in this thing for whatever reason. I mean, who knows? We can only speculate on what, what these objects are doing or what it was doing in that pit that day. You have to wonder how it got in there. Now, he said when he came down here, this whole thing was covered with ice. And you can see this is a pretty big area. It'd be a scare. I wouldn't want if it was even in the middle of the winter. I mean, this is deep. They're dangerous. You can drown in this. I know a lot of people, I took some images earlier of the A-hole, which is nearby, which is deeper. Over the years, a lot of people have uh, drowned in that. And so this is dangerous. So nobody would walk, nobody would, you'd have to be crazy to walk on this in the middle of the winter, and, you know, to, to, to cut a perfectly round circle in the ice. So, you know, he dismissed that idea because nobody would do that. So you have to wonder, what was it doing? What was it doing there? How did it get through the ice? Like, did it melt the ice when it came down on it? I mean, how does that work? We don't know. It's all speculation. But here is the site where an amazing UFO sighting happened back in 1968 or 1969 that a lot of people probably don't know about. Anyway, I want to say thanks a lot for uh, joining me here today at the site of the famous B-hole UFO incident. Until next time.